Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Everybody and welcome back to Truth and Justice. In this week's bonus episode, I have an update on our Season 11 case, the wrongful conviction of Pablo Velez. This episode features a short interview with Pablo's advocate and girlfriend, Lisa Bratt Martinez, followed by a breakdown of the most recent filing in the case, right after a short break. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before I share Lisa's interview, I want to first give you a quick refresher on Pablo's case. For those of you that haven't listened in a while, or for those of you that maybe haven't listened at all to Season 11, Pablo was convicted for the murder of 17-year-old Emerson Boyorquez. Emerson was murdered outside of the Perfect Rack Pool Hall in Houston, Texas, around 2 a.m. on July 15, 2004. He was riding in a car with his friend Adrian Payan and another friend. Adrian drove to the perfect wreck to confront a man named Jason Woolley, who had told Adrian's girlfriend to call him so that they could fight. When he got there, Jason was waiting outside of the front door for him. Adrian took his shirt off as he approached, and Jason pulled out a 9mm pistol and fired a round into the ground. Adrian immediately ran in the opposite direction. And when he did, one or, I think, two more shooters emerged from the parking lot. One wielding an assault rifle and the other a 40 caliber pistol. Adrian was shot through the abdomen as he fled, but he survived. Once he had escaped across the street into a bus garage, the shooters piled into, I think, two cars and fled the scene. Adrian's girlfriend, Claudia, followed one of the getaway cars, and she wrote down the license plate number. When she returned to the scene, she discovered that 17-year-old Emerson had been shot and killed, seemingly caught in the crossfire as an innocent bystander. Investigators later ran the license plate that Claudia had written down, and it came back to a Pablo Velez. They began investigating him, and then had Claudia come down and look at a photo array that included Pablo. So she goes down to the police station and looks at the photo lineup, and that's when police say that she perfectly identified Pablo as the shooter in the parking lot. Pablo was later convicted. 
After his conviction, a closer look at the evidence revealed that police had not only been suppressing evidence from Pablo's defense, but they had even lied on the stand to trial. The actual evidence of Pablo's innocence is pretty overwhelming. For starters, Pablo had told police that he sold his car to a guy named Ron Strandberg a few weeks before the murder, but he had yet to do the paperwork with the state, so the car was still registered in his name. Ron was just making the payments for him. Then we have a receipt and the testimony of a shop owner who confirmed that just before the murder, he had installed a new stereo into the gold Cadillac. And it was in fact Ron Strandberg who brought the gold Cadillac in to have the radio installed which verified that Pablo was telling the truth. He didn't own the getaway car. Ron didn't. Furthermore, phone records show that Jason Woolley, the known shooter, was in constant communication that night with Strandberg and another man named Shorty Cisneros. The three were calling each other back and forth throughout the night and just seconds before and after the shooting. On top of that, in a 2017 appeal, the state finally turned over the notebook belonging to Detective King, one of the lead investigators. In the notebook, it was revealed that Claudia's so-called perfect, beautiful idea of Pablo in the photo array wasn't so perfect after all. In fact, she said that the shooter kind of looked like the picture of Pablo, but the shooter's hair was a different color. And worse yet, before testifying at Pablo's trial, Claudia actually told the prosecutor that she is certain that Pablo was not the shooter. You see, that was the first time that she'd actually seen him in person, rather than just looking at a photo headshot. She had described the shooter to police all the way from the very beginning as short, around her height, which was around five foot six, five foot seven. Pablo was over six foot tall. Claudia had told the DA that not only was Pablo not the shooter, but that she had actually seen the shooter in the audience at Jason Woolley's trial. And that man was Shorty Cisneros. Nonetheless, the prosecutor continued on with the trial and even had disgraced Detective Swainton, who we all know from season 10, testify that Claudia's ID was perfect when everyone, including him, knew that it wasn't. Even the prosecutor knew because Claudia had told her. And that's not all. Detective King testified in the appeal that Swainson wasn't even in the room when Claudia supposedly ID'd Pablo, which, of course, didn't stop him from testifying about how absolutely certain she was. Continuing on, Detective King had testified at Pablo's trial that no one had ever mentioned Ron Strandberg's name during the course of his investigation, which led the judge to make a ruling that didn't allow Pablo to raise any alternate suspects in his defense which really was a crushing blow to his defense because the best evidence that he had was that it was very obvious who actually committed the murder. But he wasn't even allowed to bring it up. But after testifying to that, that no one ever mentioned Ron's name, a look back into King's own notebook reveals that literally everyone that named names during the investigation named Jason Woolley, Ron Stramberg, and Shorty Cisneros as the shooters. There was even another incident at another club where the group beat the shit out of a friend of Emerson's family who was asking about the murder. And yet still, they went after Pablo. And lastly, forensics proved that a shell casing that Strandberg fired at another incident matched the 40 caliber casings found at the perfect rack shooting, all but confirming with 100% certainty that Ron was actually one of the shooters in the parking lot. It was his gun that we know was in his hand that fired the round at the other incident, and the shell casings that were found at the perfect rack 
also came from that same gun. Pablo's case is one of the most obvious cases of wrongful conviction that I've ever come across. Not only is it crystal clear that Pablo wasn't involved, but it also seems pretty damn clear who actually was responsible for the murder. And yet Harris County prosecuted Pablo anyway, and even to this day, continue to fight his appeals. For the full story, go back and listen to season 11. It was a mini-season, so it's only seven episodes if you've missed it. The corruption exposed during those seven episodes will blow your mind. This is where Pablo's case stands today. His 2017 state habeas was denied by the Circuit Court and the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. In the fall of 2021, Pablo's defense filed a federal habeas asking the court to overrule the CCA's decision. The state was given a deadline of January 31, 2022 to file a response, which was this past Monday. And in the final hour, the response was finally submitted. I'll be breaking down their response at the end of the episode, but before I do that, I want to share with you a conversation that I had on Tuesday with Lisa Martinez. As those of you who listen to Season 11 know, Lisa and Pablo are, as Pablo put it, an item now. Lisa started off as an advocate and later fell in love with Pablo. And she's here to tell their story right after a short break. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lisa, thank you so much. I know you guys have a lot going on down there in Houston right now with with Pablo's case, so I appreciate you taking the taking the time to talk to me today. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me, and, and thank you for, honestly, for just showing interest to you and your listeners for actually wanting to know what's going on. It means a lot. Pablo's case is such a... You, you know, we, when, we, when we take on cases for seasons, that's why we kind of did... I guess a mini season for Pablo's case. Cause usually it's just like this long investigation for us to try to figure out what happened. Well, I've uh-huh. never worked a case where it's more clear what the hell happened and just nobody's uh-huh. doing anything about it. Uh-huh. And one of the hardest things for me is um, like, first off, like I'm an actor and, and I grew up in Houston and I, you know, travel all over back and forth to LA nationwide, but I'm always about reaching out and giving back to other people and helping. So, uh, one night I was having like a really rough time. It was 3.30 in the morning and I came across his case. Our whole story is crazy. My uncle's always like, y'all should write a story and make a movie. But 
I came across his case, and I was up for hours, reached out to the team, and they said, well, it's in Kim Ogg's hands. And I'm like, oh, okay, I know her, because I knew her father first. He was a senator. Mm-hmm. And and I feel so used. I Honestly, I feel like a dummy, but I feel so used by her, because I sat down with her. She wanted me to, to work her campaign. I sat down with her to hear what, you know, what she was going to fight for and stuff, criminal reform, police reform, every, you name it, it sounded good. I helped her win back in 2017, so when I heard it didn't come out I was like, no problem. I read everything. I'll help bring him home. Little did I know that I was going to see, I guess, maybe the true colors, so to speak, because I have constantly, like, reached out to her in person. I even wrote a letter to her, and I handed it to her in person. I emailed her this and I We went back and forth, and when she sees me, that woman... She has tears in her eyes because I knew her father. Her father adored me. So I told her, you know, I came across this case. He's innocent, da da da, da and everything. She's like, okay, well, l- let me see what's going on. I'll get back to the office, blah, blah, blah. We used to, mind you, we used to text and talk on her phone, okay? That was okay back then. But when I started to ask her about, well, when are you going to get Pablo home? When are you going to release him? When are you guys going to admit it's wrong? She said, I need to see what my team is opposed to his release. And I said, who cares about your team? You're the DA. You do it. And she said she would get back to me. That was November, not of 2021, but November 2020. Ever since then, I've emailed. I called the office. It's gotten to the point to where they're just dismissing my calls. They're like, Lisa, we know, we know. And that's it. She's dodging me, literally dodging me. And it's annoying. God, that's... I, w- I want to make sure the listeners know here you're t- talking about. So when she says Kim Og, that Kim Og is the district attorney... For Harris County, she's the same district attorney that's working on Sandy Melgar's case. That's also, you know, anything in Harris County. So I just want to make sure they knew who yeah. that, who that was. Yeah, sorry about that. And see, that's the thing. I know her like on a personal level. I know the mayor of Houston, the commissioners, the sheriff. Like I know many people because, like I said, I grew up and I always gave back. And I have felt and I've seen like. Whenever anybody would ask me for help, sure, I'll come in. I'll do my thing. Da-da-da. And she said to me, Lisa, you know. You grew up here, you know, your, your, your ethnicity, your, your, everybody's going to believe you, you know, you're really good at what you do and stuff like that, you know, it's just, I need you to help me. And I'm like, okay, cool, fine. After our discussion, I, I was all for it. And I, like I told her in one of my letters, I said, you know, you trusted me enough to represent you and now you don't trust me enough to see that this man is innocent. So I've mailed copies to her, to the parole board, to the governor to the president, to the White House office. I get responses, but it's not what I want to hear. I don't understand why they just don't see that he is truly innocent. Meanwhile, the other two people that really did it, I know the third one's incarcerated, but the other two are walking around just free, living their lives, just posting everything on social media as if they didn't do anything. And to me, honestly, if you're man enough, I think you're a chump like a coward, but if you're man enough to pull the trigger, do your time. Don't put it on someone else to do their time for you. Yeah. So, so your, your connection to the case, it came from just you, you just were reading about it. When was that? Was that just last year? That was the year before this March 15th will be a year that Pablo and I are like officially together together. Uh (laughs) But no, it was July before. Yeah. It's been over a year ago. Yep. So what was that process like? I mean, from, from reading about the case, getting interested in it to, to now you're in a relationship with Pablo. How, like, how, how did all that transpire? Uh, okay. <laughs> I was having, um, I know to have this stigma with Hollywood and this and that and stuff like that, but a lot of that is true. 
I was having one of my worst nights ever. Like, it was 3.30 in the morning. And um, I truly believe in God and signs, you know, and stuff. So I was about to take a bath, and my phone went off, and I looked. It said a, a notification from, like, a from like a social media site. And I looked. There was nothing there. But the first thing I saw was, you know, innocent man behind bars. Other than I started reading. I was like, wait, this is out of Houston. So I dug deep further and further. Hours later, now the next morning, and I'm reaching out. Hey, somebody who runs this page, talk to me, talk to me. And then it happened. And they kept telling me, hey, why don't you write him? And I was like, no, no, I'm good. Because I never got that personal with any of the cases. Because I've helped other cases as well. Just to help bring light, you know, and awareness to it. Mm-hmm. And then it kept on and on. And then, um, <laughs> this is going to sound corny. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always believed, I've always wanted a gentleman. And I was told they don't exist. And this, and I was like, well, whatever. Yeah, they do. So then, like, I finally wrote to him, and I wrote him, like, a couple sentences, and I put one, a magazine article in there to just, hey, this is me, I'll tell your case, I'm going to help you guys out, blah, blah, blah. And then when he wrote me, it was crazy, because when I got the letter, I screamed, I was like, ah, he wrote. And then his mom, I met his mom and stuff, and his, his family before him, and then they keep bugging me to call him, call him, let him talk to you and stuff, and I was like, no. So one day, his mom's like, um, Junior wants to call you, is that okay, because they call him Junior? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I guess. When I heard his voice on the phone, I melted. I was like, oh, but I felt, it's so, so, I know it's so funny, but I felt something like, whoa. And then we just started talking and talking and we just grew closer. And I know there's some people who believe, oh, it's just prison talk, this or that. But like, we, we did say a lot of things to each other, but not until I told him when I, I want to see you in person because I want to feel our vibe with each other. He's like, what are you talking about? So we met in person March 15th, and we didn't even, there was no words. We just sat across from each other and looked at each other, and that was it. I was like, wow, this, this is really real. I have goosebumps. <laughs> this is really real. Like, I didn't know that love like this truly existed. Like, I thought it was just the stuff we make up in the movies. That's, that's, yeah. that's an, amazing, an amazing story, and you've been just a fierce advocate for Pablo ever since then. Now, a little tell, tell everybody a little bit about I kind of skipped ahead from from telling people about your background, other than you know they know you as Pablo's girlfriend. But but so what, what kind of work? Do you, I know you said you're you're a, you're an actor. You I know that you have like, like a clothing line. Like what what do you do? What was what was Lisa Brat Martinez doing? And also I want to know where that nickname came from before you you got so deep into this case. Um. Well, okay. Like the inter- in the entertainment industry is all I've known since I was a little girl. I started off as a as a dancer. <laughs> Some things I don't want to, but it's all out there. But yeah, I was a dancer, and then I was always doing behind the scenes work with a lot of well known artists. You know, doing the paperwork stuff, like the management and stuff like that, the bookings. And then I've always had this flair for for clothes. I make my own things. Like I love thrift shop, so I'll just make my own stuff. And people would say, "Yeah, where'd you get that off of?" I was like, "I made it." So that's how the clothing line came about and stuff. But then I've got, I'm also Native American. I've got this love for wolves and I, I literally do hang out and play with wolves over here in, in Texas. And, oh, um, wow. it just, it's crazy. Like, I, I don't even want to say I was always used to just being on the road, you know, in and out of cities, just traveling. And, and I'd see, you know, couples in love and I was like, that's all that mushy stuff. Like, no, 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 I don't believe in that. And I love Jack Skeleton and to me, like the way he healed Sally because Sally's broken. And Jack was is also broken. That's how I think of Pablo and I. Like we're both, we were broken people, but together we healed each other. Because, I mean, what I what I read about him, it it broke my heart, and I didn't understand it. And I had helped so many other cases. Because if I could use my platform for something positive, then I'm all for it. But 
the acting stuff, my, my tío Danny Trejo called me brat and, and it just stuck because, um, I tend to always get what I want, but I do it my way. Like, I don't, you know, nobody can ever say, Hey, I made you. Like, I did this on my own. And that's one of the things that's frustrating because I, I was like, let's just give it up. Let's stop. It's not going to work. And I'm like, stop saying that, you know, just think positive, you know, and, and he's like, you know what? You really are a brat. You're not going to stop by. I said, no, I always get what I want. I'm just used to it. So, like, I don't know. It's, I just, I keep pushing and pushing for him. It, it breaks my heart. And, and when you guys, we had some listeners, and it was two, he received a card and a letter from, you know, the listeners. And he's, and I said, you only got two? He's like, yeah. I said, it's okay. You know, as long as they listen. He's like, yeah, no, I know. I appreciate that they even listened. And I was like, right. That's, that's it. Like, not too many people honestly care. Like, you guys, like, I've been in front of the mayor's face telling him. And I mind you, I do everything politely and professional. But, like, still, it's like, people, come on. But, yeah, the, the acting is what kept me busy until I came across his, I was going to say my man story. Because I, I was telling him <laughs> my man, my man. But, yes, yeah, just acting, like, the queen of the South and TV shows and movies. And I just wrapped up another one here in Houston called Old Man Jackson. Well, that's awesome. And I know from yeah. talking to Pablo that you are a big driving force in keeping his his spirits up. Uh, he, yeah. In most of our conversations, it, it very quickly went from his case to talking about you. So so things Aww. seem to be going very well with, with you guys, and I think that's awesome. And hopefully we're going to get him out of there sometime soon. I, I do want to say your, 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 yeah. your uncle, Danny Trio, I just – I think about you and Pablo. I just – I was watching the new Boba Fett movie – our series. And I saw your uncle in there, and immediately made me think of you and and uh, and Pablo Aww. every time I see every time I see him. So can you can you update us on the case? Like what's been going on? You know, when we when we left off uh, in the fall uh, with with Pablo's story, uh, they were about to file an appeal, or I think they might have filed it during the time that we were that that we were kind of wrapping things up. It was filed. I don't understand how they didn't see what what everybody else, you know, has seen, but that's you're just doing it again, reminding them, hey, these are the facts, these are the documents. Like if even one of the actual guys is admitting to it, you know, in a interview and on paper, that Pablo had nothing to do with it. He's innocent. I mean, I don't understand why that not even that's enough. And when that was filed, the state as of today, uh, which we're recording this on Tuesday this week, uh yesterday, Monday was the deadline for the state to file a response. And you guys for a while thought they weren't going to file response because you hadn't heard anything correct yesterday the 31st was the last day to file and they waited until that day to do something and and as of right now whatever they filed the response hasn't made but been made public yet no we haven't received anything we don't know what that response even is at all like i would love for it to say you know what we were wrong we messed up you know we're gonna set them free but i i don't know that's what's got us on pins and needles too, just waiting. Right. And then from there, then is it a judge or a panel of judges that'll be ruling on it? His legal team is going to come back with a response and then it'll be in the judge's hands. And he could either decide, okay, we're going to take this back to trial or else he can make a decision right then and there. That'd be great. And then, so that should be, I have to imagine that any time, maybe even by the time this airs, that you guys will have a look at that response. I, I can't Im- do you know if if Kim Ogg's office has been in any contact with with Pablo's attorneys to talk about any kind of 
agreement or deal or anything? I know that she's ignoring them because the same way she's ignoring me because um, <laughs> I have requested a meeting with her, bringing in his legal team as well, and they've requested the same thing, and they're not responding. So they're just kind of burying their heads in the sands and kind of hiding from this at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's, that is a nightmare. So, but, but hopefully we'll have some resolution sometime soon to this, or at least we'll have some more information on it. I want to make sure I keep the, the listeners updated. I'm hoping, uh, hopefully on the tail end of this episode, I've got a few more days before we, we have to send this to edit that we'll actually have that document that we can go over. For this week's episodes, everybody knows what's going on with it. In the meanwhile, is there anything else you want to say to to the listeners? I know that when I had Pablo's legal team on uh, on our, our finale episode, at that point there was there was no fund or anything together. But since then, you guys have created a fund to help raise money for his defense, right? Um, yes, we have. We have um, a fundraising link because, you know, for a parole attorney and hopefully, God willing, when he comes home, at least he'll have something to start off life with. And we have T-shirts that are being sold and those silicone wristbands as well. I can send you all the links if, you know, you want to share them and stuff. Yeah, do that, and we'll make sure we put that in the episode notes. Is it, is it uh, a website that's easy to remember if you just tell people here where for people that are just listening where they can find it? Yeah, it's um, it's actually – I he has his own website. It's pablovelezjr.com. Okay, so you can go to pablovelezjr.com. You can um, you can donate. You can buy some of the, the merchandise there to help Pablo out. Uh, do, when does he come up for parole again? April of next year. April of next year. So that's kind of a backup plan to be able to secure to secure a parole attorney. And I assume Pablo appreciates anybody that's going to be that wants to send him any letters or cards or anything like that. I know a couple of you did, but so we say if if you, if you have no other way to help, just sending a letter is is always helpful and always helps keeps the spirits up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but thank you to you and your listeners. Like we really appreciate you. Oh, it's it's our pleasure and we'll stay up to date and then uh if we get any new news between now and and Friday of this week, uh I'll reach out to you again otherwise I may just be searching the the case files online to hopefully get that response so we can share that. Mm-hmm. And speaking of response, you know the response that I received from a lot of your listeners is like do you really have two loud birds? And I was like, yes, he just told all my business out there, but yes. <laughs> but now they're his birds, too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Lisa. All right. Thank you. Yep. Have a good one. Okay. You, too. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
A couple days after recording with Lisa, I was able to obtain a copy of the state's response from Pablo's attorneys. Pablo's writ filed this past fall identified 10 different claims that his lawyers are asking the federal court to consider. These are the 10 points of his appeal. Number 1. The state suppressed material exculpatory evidence contained in Officer King's notes. Number 2. The state suppressed material exculpatory evidence of an undisclosed photo array and other witness statements. Number 3. The state elicited false testimony from Officer King regarding Ronald Strandberg's involvement in the shooting and failed to correct it. Number 4. Velez's trial counsel was ineffective for putting him on the stand without any preparation or counseling. Number 5. Velez's trial counsel was ineffective for failing to conduct any investigation and failed to seek out or obtain exculpatory phone records and witness testimony. Number 6. The state failed to correct Adrian Payan's false and misleading trial testimony. Number 7. The state suppressed Claudia Beltran's material exculpatory statement made just before the trial. What they're talking about here is when Claudia went to the prosecutor after she had seen Pablo in person and told her that he's not the guy. Number 8. Velez's trial counsel was ineffective for failing to pursue information regarding the HPD's confidential source who exculpated Velez. Number 9. Velez's trial counsel was ineffective for failing to move for a continuance when surprised at trial. And number 10. Velez's trial counsel was ineffective for failing to call available, helpful defense witnesses. The state's response is asking the judge to deliver what's known as a summary judgment. Essentially, they're requesting that the judge just dismiss the case without any further action. Let me read to you the opening paragraph of the motion from the state. Quote, Petitioner Pablo Velez Jr., a state prisoner, challenges his Texas state court convictions through a petition for writ of habeas corpus. This court should deny and dismiss with prejudice Velez's first claim because it lacks merit. The court should deny and dismiss with prejudice Velez's second claim as time-barred because he has failed to establish a predicate date that would make his timely or that he is actually innocent. Alternatively, his second claim is without merit. This court should deny and dismiss with prejudice Velez's third through tenth claims because they are time-barred and he has failed to establish that he is actually innocent. First of all, I believe that Pablo's attorneys have very clearly established his actual innocence. But let's walk through all of these arguments. The majority of the state's claim is that Pablo should not be allowed to raise the issues because they're time-barred. Meaning it doesn't matter what the arguments are, it's too late for him to make them. This is what happened to Adnan Syed. His conviction was overturned based on his defense attorney failing to properly cross-examine the state's cell phone expert, which the court found would have changed the outcome of his trial. But later, a higher court reinstated his conviction due to the argument being time-barred. The issue wasn't that the lower court's ruling was wrong. It was that they never should have been allowed to make the argument to begin with because Adnan failed to raise the issue on his first appeal. And that's what Harris County is attempting to do here. For claims 3 through 10, the state says that Pablo only had one year from the time his conviction was finalized to raise the issues, which was January 8, 2009. To be honest with you, I really wish I understood this particular legal argument better so I could explain it, but I'm just not really sure what they're getting at here. Essentially, in the appeal filed in October, Pablo's team listed statutes in his appeal that explain why the arguments are not time-barred. And the state's response says, quote, Velez's instant federal petition filed on October 7, 2021, 
was over 12 years and eight months too late. Now, obviously, I'm not a lawyer, and I could be completely wrong about this, but it sure seems like a weak argument to me. Pablo's attorneys are representing him pro bono, and surely they would not have wasted their time making arguments that they thought could be proven to be time-barred. Let's also not forget that the state court and the circuit court already ruled on these issues, which means they didn't rule that they were time-barred. And this isn't like Adnan's case. In his case, the discrepancies in the cell phone data were discovered within a year of his post-conviction hearing. There, the judge basically ruled that just because Adnan's team, which actually was Susan Simpson, didn't figure the problem out until 2015, that doesn't mean that they didn't have access to the documents 10 years earlier. And really, no one saw that coming. But here, the state is arguing that Pablo should have made these arguments 12 years ago. And most of this newly discovered evidence wasn't turned over to the defense until 2017 when the state appeal was filed. So I don't even quite understand why they're saying that he should have raised these arguments so much earlier than that when we know when he got the documents. But the good news from my perspective is that the state fails to argue the validity of the claims at all. Essentially, they put all their eggs into one basket. They're not saying that Officer King didn't give false testimony, or even that Officer Swainson didn't give false testimony. They're not saying that Claudia's ID wasn't false. They're not even saying that Claudia didn't tell the prosecutor just before trial that Pablo wasn't the guy. They're not arguing that the state didn't suppress exculpatory evidence. Instead, they're saying that the judge should dismiss the case because it's too late for Pablo to raise the issues. Or in other words, they think he missed his time window for justice. This response really is infuriating. The state alleges that Pablo's second claim, the claim that the state withheld material and exculpatory evidence, including a photo array and witness statements, should be denied as time bar. And listen to their reasoning. Quote, Belez alleges that he was first provided with the Martinez notes and the Sosa photo array in August of 2017 after filing a state habeas application. If true, then his claim is timely because his federal habeas petition was filed within one year of his state habeas application being denied. However, the record does not clearly establish when the Soso Array could have been discovered through an exercise of due diligence. So let me put that into layman terms for you. Sure, the state withheld this evidence and didn't turn it over until 2017, but Pablo could have searched harder for a document that he didn't know existed because it was intentionally withheld from him. And therefore, it's too late for him to raise the issue of our blatant Brady violation. The state then says that arguments 2 through 10, again, should all be dismissed because they don't prove that Pablo is actually innocent. This is their hedge in case their time-barred argument doesn't hold up. And it appears to be one of the standards that are required in order to waive the time-barred argument anyway. So what they're saying is, let's not let a little thing like the eyewitness who came face-to-face with the real killer saying Pablo didn't do it, or another eyewitness identifying the man who was proven to be driving Pablo's car that night, get in the way of the state keeping an innocent man in prison. That doesn't prove his innocence. Also, let's not forget the fact that Jason Woolley, the other man who was convicted of the shooting, and everyone knows he was there, everyone saw him do it, signed an affidavit stating that Pablo was not involved. And then there's also the surviving victim, Adrian Payan, who also signed an affidavit saying Pablo wasn't there. Personally, I think that all of the issues raised very clearly establish that Pablo is, in fact, actually innocent. 
But this is what the state says. Quote, Belez has not provided new reliable evidence of actual innocence sufficient to show that no reasonable juror could have convicted him of murder. I disagree, and hopefully the judge does too. Pablo's number one claim states that the state suppressed material exculpatory evidence found in Officer King's notebook. And his second claim, as I just mentioned a minute ago, argues that the state withheld the Sosa photo array and witness statements and other material exculpatory evidence. And in this next point, the state responds to those claims. They say that the claims are without merit. That's right, there's no merit here. And again, they don't deny that the information was withheld. Here they argue that the federal court isn't allowed to overturn the state's ruling on the matter unless the state court, quote, made an unreasonable application of the law. Quote, a state court's determination that a claim lacks merit precludes federal habeas relief so long as fair-minded jurists could disagree on the correctness of the state court's decision. And again, they're not arguing that the suppression didn't happen. Instead, they argue that the federal court should basically just let the CCA handle it. The motion goes on to claim that Pablo's defense has failed to prove that a Brady violation occurred. And again, not because the state didn't withhold the evidence. They've never denied that they withheld the evidence. Their argument is that the evidence isn't material because, get this, Claudia herself didn't testify that she ID'd Pablo to the jury. Now, those of you who listen to season 11 know what a complete load of bullshit that is. Now, Claudia did refuse to ID Pablo on the stand, but she had told the prosecutor ahead of time that he wasn't the guy. So the prosecutor in her opening statement told the jury, hey, Claudia's not going to ID him. Maybe her memory's not too good, but have no fear. The detectives that were there will clear all this up. Then she puts Claudia on the stand and leads her into testifying that Pablo, quote, looked like the guy in the photo. But then she puts Swainson on the stand to tell the jury that he was there, which was a lie, and that Claudia gave a beautiful, perfect idea of Pablo, which was also a lie. But here in this motion, the state argues that because Claudia herself didn't clearly ID Pablo on the stand, that the jury didn't consider her ID in the verdict, which is completely BS. They heard her say that he looked like the guy, and then they heard the detective who said that he was in the room say that she gave a beautiful, perfect, positive ID of Pablo Velez. And they think, they claim, that the jury didn't consider her ID. No freaking way. To sum this up, I think that if the judge doesn't dismiss the case based on the time-barred argument, then Pablo really has a fighting chance here. His lawyer's motion lays out a massive amount of corruption and cover-up by the state. And the state's response doesn't really deny any of it. They argue that it's too late to bring it up, that the jury didn't really consider the lies, and that even though they intentionally withheld evidence, Pablo could have worked harder to find it, even though he didn't know it existed. I'll definitely keep you updated as the case moves along. For now, the next step is for Pablo's team to file a response. I would expect that to happen in the next couple of months. And when that happens, I'll be sure to share it with you as soon as it's filed. In the meantime, help keep the pressure on and make sure to let District Attorney Kim Og know 
What an incredible miscarriage of justice that her office is continuing to fight for. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondering. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing and sound engineered by Shane Yoder. All music for the show is created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. All of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kay Wood Yamnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, Erica Cantor, and Jen Reese Incandela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes videos of the creation of our Friday follow-up episodes that always include 10 to 30 minutes of pre-show bonus chat. Other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. To become a patron, just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. Lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. And I personally can be found on social media at BobRuffTruth, and Mike can be found at MurbGaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G. Don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio. 